producer. You know what I like about your name is every time I text someone about your name, like I was texting Mace, it's just so easy to do the emojis, snake blood, because <laughs> they're both good emojis. They like, are. Did you think about that? Uh, no, honestly, like it was a weird way of coming up with it. I knew I just wanted something like that, like sounded hard, but also like mm. I could use easily in graphic design. So with that vision in there, I was just like going through lists of like words that had the same amount of uh, letters in them so they could stack nicely. Yeah. And then just like, I just had lists of hard words and that one just connected together and it was kind of vibing. And, you know, I, I started thinking about the whole ethos of the concept of the project I wanted to do with it and whatnot. A lot of it was going to be like some like intense or spiritual bass music a little bit. And, uh, as I'm doing a little bit more research, I'm like, how can I run with this? There's a lot of different cultures that believe in like drinking snake blood. Really? In order to like uh, uh, gain knowledge or whatnot. And, you know, like throughout different cultures, the snake has always been held in various uh, uh, regards of different sorts, kind of all over the place. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's a it's a fun theme <laughs> to play with in the larger scope of what you're trying to do. So, yeah, I've just been having fun with it, really. Will you have you drank the snake blood yet? I'm not yet. I mean, maybe if I end up in like Southeast Asia or something where it's an option, I just, uh, I'll say I don't readily know a great option outside of like going and buying a snake myself, which I just don't really want to do. It just sounds like a lot of work for not a whole lot of. Yeah. Not a lot of juice in the snake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to, you got to milk it out and stuff. I saw a video of it. It was kind of crazy, but. Whoa. That sound that's giving me some like wet market vibes. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> like not sanitary vibes. Well, I feel like if I'm if I'm already in a place where this is going on, I feel like I screwed up already. Yeah. You know, now we're in some like hangover two vibes or something. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you ever own a snake just as like a pet? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think reptiles are super cool. Um like I've I've had a lot of friends who were into like herping and stuff and what uh, is that? just collecting reptiles and stuff. Herping? Yeah. It's like herptology or whatever is the, uh, oh, the, 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 the longer of reptiles. Yeah. So, uh, they just call it herping. Herping. Dude. Yeah. Just like looking for like turtles or snakes or whatever, like in, in rural areas, kind of more like fields, outbacks, wherever. Oh, so they didn't like, they weren't buying them from pet shops. They were like, not always. No, a lot of times yeah. they were like looking for them, but then other friends who liked collecting them and stuff, you know, you're always, you're always looking for like crazy patterns and stuff. Uh -huh. uh, and, uh, you know, also sometimes doing like selective breeding, just make crazy designs on them. Like, you know, red and white diamond backs and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, just cause you know, they, th think it's cool i kind of do too it's kind of uh, cool yeah i'm just not really in a great place to, like own pets really at the moment because the kind of lifestyle that i sort of afford i you know i wish i could be home all the time and could just like regularly take care of stuff and i don't even think snakes are that crazy of like a high maintenance pet no yeah but i'm just like not in a great position to be like yeah let's own an animal right now mm -hmm. and it's not like a personal responsibility thing or whatnot i'm just I'm on the road a lot. I'm around. Like, I, I don't know if I can make time to care for another, like, living thing at the moment. Maybe one day you'll get a snake. Yeah, yeah, one day. One Do day. Do you have, like, have you thought about what you would get if you did? Or would this be the first time? I mean, 
Maybe not the first time. I wouldn't mind like a maybe like a five foot constrictor or something like that. Ooh, okay, you because I mean, about it. I mean, you like, like yeah, it. a bit because I, I want. I want to be able to take it places a little bit and not to be like the, Oh, the weird dude at the snake showed up, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be that guy. <laughs> Are they like friendly ish sometimes? I mean, they're, they seem pretty docile by any of the times I see like people handling them, you know, like doing like street vendor stuff or whatever or street performances. Yeah. I think it's just kind of more or less like not the bond you have with it, but like how well, how trained you are in like handling it. Yeah. And just like keeping sense. it, keeping it calm yeah so just a quick tangent i had a friend that was telling me he's got he's had like every job in the world basically like he's worked at every random store and the last time i saw him he was telling me about like the money you can make from breeding deadly snakes like super venomous snakes and i was like do we need more of those like i don't understand (laughs) what is why Actually, there is an answer to that. You can sell the venom that you can harvest off of it so they can create anti-venom for it. Um, So there actually is like a useful market for it. Okay, all right. Now on the flip side of that, I'm sure there's just crazy people that are just like owning a lot of animals and being like, yeah, man, this snake can kill 100 people. (laughs) Bro, you kind of know, you know about snakes. You might be like into (laughs) herpetology. Just just a bit, you know, I've had... I dabble. I've had my run-ins. For sure. So... Uh, I want to ask you my intro question, but I'm kind of still curious about this like snake ideology, like because it is so like snakes are, you know, like Adam and Eve, the yeah. snake, or like. But then again, you got um, like at least this is the first thing that comes to mind. We got like, oh wait, no, 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 that's actually not correct. Anyway, but like, yeah, they're they're either looked at as like these godly things or like evil things but there's power in the snake yeah or it's almost like a duality with it you know where it's like uh what is the forbidden knowledge you know and like pretty sure there's a there's a a, several different snake gods that you know like might embrace more like darker aspects or Mm -hmm. lighter aspects of like the psyche i guess almost to a certain degree and we got the more the reptilian brain also known as like the snake brain like the the base of our brain stem is like comes from the reptile part of us yeah the, so we the, still got that in us the straight up just primitive survival instinct yeah yeah like bite when it's time like mm-hmm. you got the impulse you're like all right it's time to bite and I mean, the, also with the duality of it, when you think of, uh, when you see ambulances and you see that symbol on the side that's got the snakes around yeah, the cross. Yeah, I always think about that. I never knew if that came from like uh, the Abrahamic uh, story of like Moses uh, having the snake on the, the staff and like holding it up. And I think like curing the tribe of Israel was some ailment they were having, or I think it's also tied to in Greek mythology, mm. uh, one of the gods of healing or whatnot had a, uh, mm. a similar like symbol. A, and a lot of medicine was like invent, like all, like everything in your body is like a Greek term, you know basically, what I mean? Like, Cause they just, they were at the party first and they were like, we're going to name everything. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, we're going to get back to spirituality because Probably. I, I, I just have a sense that maybe you're a little bit of a spiritual guy. I don't know. 
I'd say so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't know. It was just like it was on my radar. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to start with something fun. We're going to do a little pseudo icebreaker. And that is what was your first concert? Nebraska State Fair. I was raised uh, uh, in Nebraska. I was raised by on a more conservative side and the more Christian side. And uh, in the 90s, there was this Christian rock group called the Newsboys, and they were the hottest thing that ever happened wow. as far as the, the Christian rock world. Mm. And I went to a private school. I was kind of uh, maybe a bit sheltered by by some people's definitions. And uh, I got to see them on like their last tour. I was maybe like nine years old. I was like, yeah, I've got a ton of hand-me-down CDs of this band from my brother who's eight years older than me. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened. I've heard all these songs on the CD before. And now they're playing it here. Wow. And, you know. That was really it. That was like the first concert that I can really think of mm. outside of there. Was uh, it at a church? No, it was, it was, they were just th- playing at the state fair. Oh, the state fair. Yeah. Right. The Nebraska state fair mm. featuring nineties Christian rock legends, the <laughs> newsboys from Australia. And then also like the biggest pig in town, right? Or was oh, it not yeah. that kind of state? Oh fair? no. I mean, that was definitely that kind of state fair. I mean, okay. All the farm kids were like, this is my best cow. Yeah. I'm going to put it on the state fair. But I, I'm jealous of those kids because after their cow got to win a blue ribbon or whatever, they got to sell it for like several thousand dollars. I got to really? make rockets and shit. You know, I, I had some fun with that. But uh, you were making rockets. Oh, yeah. I went to I went to the state fair for rocketry. I, Dude, one of a nerd hobby was just building like Estes model rockets. And I guess I was pretty good at it. You ever seen that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal? It's like Blue October or something, or I don't know what is it. You know what I'm talking about? Is that the one where his dad works in a coal mine? I don't know. Like something tragic happens. Yeah, too. yeah, and he's trying to like build he's a rocket. Like building rockets. Yes. And his dad's like trapped or some shit. I don't know. I don't even remember. But that is totally the plot of some movie. Um, so you were building rockets. Yeah, I mean they're fun to build. Like, what was the cool like the it was just a hobby I shared with my dad that he had done nice. with my older brother and uh, just got into that. Uh, got the opportunity through like FFA, which is like Future Farmers of America that does like 4-H. I don't know if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. around here. Uh, that's basically how you like enter animals or like really anything into the state or county fairs. If you do well at the county fair, then you go to the state fair. Uh, and I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. There's like people enter the competitions for like cake decorating photography uh all sorts of stuff have you seen the ones where they're like mimicking animals or like or like their husband or like or they're they're doing the pig calls or whatever yeah 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 Yeah, i think that's a southern thing but yeah they're sitting there doing the crazy hog calls Dude, where do you practice? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just gotta have, that's gotta be an innate ability. Like, yeah, you know? I feel like that's gotta be like something you're just like raised with. Of like, <laughs> Jimmy, the hogs got out of the trailer again. You gotta you go, gotta go, gotta call, go them. call them out. <laughs> I mean, just like imagine the scene I'm thinking of is like, you just like walk into the house and your mom, you just like hear some weird noises and she's just like in the room looking at herself in the mirror, practicing her pig calls. Like, I'm just, what in the world well i mean it's only awkward if she asks you to give you feedback yeah right you're like 
You're like, I don't know. Like, you go. You, you need a couple more wheeze in that phrase, and you got to pause just a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Give me that magic. All right, now let's run it again. <laughs> you know, that was very technically good, but like, I didn't feel any soul in it. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. give, let's give it again. Yeah, dude. I guess that could translate well to like metal music with like pig squeals. That's what I was thinking because I mean. I'm sure somewhere in the Midwest in like 2008 when like Midwest emo was like in full swing, someone's mom was practicing her hog calls and he's like, no, 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 mom. It's like this. (laughs) She's like, God damn it, Jimmy. (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good one. You're going to go on to bigger and better places. You're going to make a name for yourself (laughs) one day, kid. Woo. Okay. Well, that was, that was, that fun. was a tangent and a half. no, I love it. I love it. But the other thing I was going to ask is since we're like, you know, we're all into electronic music here, I'd say, um, what was your first experience into that type of music? This is where it gets really weird. Okay. So when I was in middle school, going into high school, I'm living in small towns in Nebraska. Um, a few kids around me are like trying to put together bands that basically just kind of sound like, uh, I don't know, like hardcore in 2008. I don't really, I can't even think of any bands like anymore. It's kind of been that long, but uh, I got into recording my friends and stuff in, in garages. And uh, the first diver picked up was FL. Mm. And, you know, I was in like maybe seventh grade or so. And I had FL6. I paid. I remember I, I saved up all my money and I bought like the $200 edition and I felt like I was just swagging. Bought that sweet pepper. Swagging so hard and like all these stock beats and stuff in there were like stuff I'd never heard before. And you know, like oh. you, you don't even have like a great way to describe it because like my introduction to like rave stuff, whatever, is so backwards that it like I didn't know genres or anything. This is when we all called it electronica. Yeah, or, or like, like trance or something. Techno, yeah. yeah. Nobody listens to techno. I always think of that. <laughs> and so I started listening to demo tracks in FL and started looking up artists from there. That's how I like found Dead Mouse on his like oh. rise to fame and whatnot. And so like I kind of started to get into I guess what would be progressive house at that time. And you know, I was finding all this other stuff. Uh dubstep just wasn't like a readily available thing on the internet yet. And a few of these other genres, you know, like we're going to explode. But ultimately, as far as even like DJing, this is again where it just takes such a left hand turn. Where I grew up, a good third at least of the population was first and second wave Latino. Mm. Whether that be from Mexico, Guatemala, uh, Colombia, wherever, because there's just a lot of ag jobs and it's low cost housing. And they're just kind of well known havens for if you're going to go to the US, like go here. There's jobs, they're easy to work, you can send home money, you can do the thing, you can make it happen. So I started DJing quinces and stuff, and I got into like cumbia, tribal, bachata, like all reggaeton, all the you know Latino genres uh, for, for music because that's what I was playing. And that's when I got to come on the first like thing that kind of really touched me genre-wise, moombatone. Because I got to combine these like fat, slower, like rigatone beats with like 
the time, the dirty. Oh man, what were the genres that were cool then? Dirty Dutch, uh, uh, electro house stuff like that. And you know, I, I got to like play with it. It's been slowing it down and playing it over stuff, stuff like that. And uh, no one else was doing that around me, and really not a whole lot of other people in, around were really hip to that tip yet. And like it was starting. Mm-hmm. And Moonbatone had that like summer blaze where like this was like the genre yeah, to listen yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was fun to kind of have that first like kind of like national movement that you almost felt like you participated in a little bit because you were doing the same thing as so many other people. And some people were getting some really cool results. And even still, when I go back and listen to some of that music that came out then, you know, a good 11, 12 years ago, some of it really still holds its salt production wise, as far as like what's getting pumped out now. Mm-hmm. And we got a whole decade worth of tools that like took music production to the next level. You know, we went from a little bit of like upward uh, compression, you know, people were starting to dick around with uh, 10 years ago to where it's just like, if you're not using some form of upward compression in any of your mixes or whatnot, like you're just, you're not even relevant in the conversation anymore, it seems, you know, as far as like loudness wars and stuff go. But. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of where it started. From there, I got exposed like the heady hippie stuff, like Tipper or whatnot. Yeah, and the inner, uh, the inner like band kid and like music nerd, like came out because I was like, oh man, these are crazy polyrhythms. Oh man, this is sick. I would actually even show some of my band director this, and he'd be like, wow, this stuff is cool. This has like actual artistic merit. And yeah. I almost kind of went in because. I am a classically trained, I guess you could say, musician. I started playing piano when I was four. Uh, mm. I started playing saxophone when I was like nine. I played a lot of other instruments. I went to a mega church and about the age of like 10 or so, started running sound for like a 400 person amphitheater. Whoa. Uh, and that was fun. I mean, like, there were a bunch of old heads that were like ch- church sound old heads. They're a, they're a weird breed to explain, but if, you work, <laughs> if you've worked with them, you understand them. That's a specific breed, yeah. Yeah, but they they taught me how to mix like on an analog like twenty four channel console, and they were all nice. into like, you know, oh, we're gonna record all these services. They had this like massive computer with like a digidesign rack that was routed in and out, and they had like nine or ten like wireless labs that you had to like cycle through and stuff. And I mean, like they were kind of complicated. I don't want to call a sermon a show. But mm. damn, there were like at a certain point there were enough like changeovers and stuff where it was like, yeah, this this is a, a show. Like there's a 15 piece band gonna have six keynote speakers and like all this other stuff. Yeah, and you got to record it all and the like whole choir too. Oh yeah, I mean, that's that's no small job. No, it's not. And I mean, this church also was kind of crazy. They had like bag end subs. They had like big <laughs> EAW <laughs> like Dude. like tops and stuff. It was it was very over the top. That's awesome, dude. But it was that, fun. You know, it was yeah. fun, especially when you're like 12 and you're like, hey, this stuff is really cool to me. This is like the technical side of music that I've been trying to like dive into, not as far as like performance or whatnot, but like the supporting infrastructure to like play shows or whatever. And like growing up, I also played in like a Led Zeppelin cover band with my friends and like we got to play at the city pool one time. Nice. I, I felt like the coolest dude ever. I got to play keyboard, dude. It was, uh, wait, wait, wait. let's, let's dive into that for like one quick second. Like, yeah. would they just like, where'd they set you up? Like the pool is over here. Then you're just like, I jammed. mean, we were just kind of like right off of like the end, the, 
I guess not the entrance, the exit of a, of a water slide. And it was like kind of in the <laughs> evening and like, you know, I'm in eighth grade and all my friends are here. Like Dude, at the last day of the water park, school starts weird. tomorrow. Like I oh, got it going dude, on. No, wait, hold on. School starting tomorrow is like the most depressing feeling I've ever. Like it's the it would be worse. It would. I be. mean, you guys definitely like quelled the Sunday scaries of that. Like that's the worst Sunday scaries you can ever have. At least for me. But it seems like you guys did it right. At least. <laughs> well, and see, here's here's the thing. When you know you get to go to school on Monday, after crushing a water park oh, show. Yeah. Where that you got to play so like true. Freebird, Stairway to Heaven, and like Smoke on the Water to all your friends in a four piece like dad rock cover band. Yeah. You guys coming looking like goons. Like, you oh, guys yeah. I mean, it was just like, I felt like the man. And that was honestly one of the first fun things that I ever got to do with music. That's dope. I know that might sound silly. No, it's making me feel like nostalgic, but yeah. I'm not. I wasn't even there. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those like goofy ass shows that you do though, um, like stand out the most, and you kind of have the most fond memories of though, right? Oh, yeah. definitely. Like, yeah. For me, I got to play at Double Door. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Back when that was open, for there was a school rock day. And I was one of two um, electronic music students with just like one guy who was teaching that. It was kind of a new program. So I got to play a 10 minute DJ set in between bands like changing over. And I was playing like fucking Animals by Martin Garrix and like, you know, <laughs> big room for like all these like, uh, like parent, like parents of the kids that are in bands. And like, dude, like, I look back on that of like fucking cringe, but also at the same time, like that's. Did anyone like, just like come over and give you like a fist bump? Or uh, yeah, actually, I went into the crowd because I had a remix of Animals that I made myself, and I needed oh. to like speaker test it. And at the Double Door, it slapped, so I was yeah. Happy. yeah. I saw Carmack at the Double Door, and I was like, "This is lit, bro." Yeah. That place was cool. that was a cool spot. Yeah. yeah. Rip. I, I don't know what it is now. It's like a donut shop or something. Like <laughs> it just stands now. That's something like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I agree. Those were those were fun times. Well, thank you for taking us down like a little, little yeah. Journey. No, I, honestly, that's one of those memories you forget about until like you just bring it up. Yeah, until I honestly you, hadn't thought about that for like I don't know, ten years minimum. We just went down the rabbit hole, man. Yeah, just yeah. unlocking parts of the brain. It's good. I like <laughs> doing that. It makes the other day actually. I had like a really intense. Now I'm trying to think what it was. I was t I just had like a nostalgic day. I was telling my girlfriend all this stuff and she was like, why are you telling me all this? I was like, I don't know. I just like unlocked this and I need to tell you and like, yeah, anyway, but let's I was just thinking let's run the track. All right. All right. What so people, thinking? I don't know. It's a uh, it's a good question. What do you think would be a good uh, entryway? You brought uh, a good amount of tracks and we probably won't get to all of them unless we really want to like shoot up fractured fractured hell yeah 16-bit always got to choose 16-bit because you never know if cdjs are going to want to play 24 or not oh so that i just make it a habit of whatever i'm going to play just have a 16-bit version of it what uh what sample rate do you run usually i mean 44 one 44, i mean yeah. sometimes 48 but like i'd I you just don't want know, to run I just, into problems. I just know if it's 44-1 and 16-bit, 
I'm set to go. Yeah. No matter what. Real. I'm kind of a hoe for percussion. <laughs> I think we all are. <laughs> I'd say another fun thing with like sound system music is playing around with dub delays and stuff. Because I can just send four or five different signals through a, a, a fat dub delay and like modulate a few things. And if they're minimal elements, like that little do-do-do-do, and you hear echo off, I just, yeah. I love that. It's the space it makes. You know Komodo? Oh yeah. Love Beast it. of a producer. Dude. It's kind of reminding me of that like kind of like noir, like just the sounds that Oh are... yeah. I mean like they're they're the the palette is very much sample based, but like not in a bad way. It's just yeah. a lot of like oddly pitched stuff just processed really weirdly and it just kind of makes uh more textures, if anything, you know? Yeah. But the one thing I wanted to touch on just for the audience and the way that you think about it, because you, you know, are fortunate to like have more knowledge about sound systems and what these types of tracks are going to sound like on that. And you know, we were talking before we got on this about the fundamental and then some of the overtones in the bass sound just being like very important. I don't know. Like, can you just like touch on? I, I'm not doing a good no, job. No, you're, you're fine. This. You got to think of it as just like a pyramid. You got to just keep stacking stuff on top. And you just got to start at like basically the lowest like information that you're going to have. So especially when you're talking about music like this, but the whole point is you, you want to play it on a big sound system that has big low end, yeah. obviously. And you got to think about the, the, the different 
speaker cabinets that are really going to be carrying all this. Yes, yes. So, you know, when you're looking at, uh, you know, function ones, usually you kind of set up like this. Hennessy sound design is definitely set up like this. A lot of these more uh, voids are going to be set up like this. A lot of these more boutique uh, sound systems are usually going to be kind of like a three-way system. You're going to have subs and those are going to carry any, like on the low twenties through maybe say around 70 Hertz or so that's arbitrary. I mean, each one's going to be a little different, but so that is going to carry your fundamental, like that big raw sine wave. Yeah. The lowest of low, the, the ball tickler, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the ball tickler, that that's low, the, the lowest, most girthy tone there. Yeah. You got to think about that's going to come out separate. So go ahead and process that separate. Go ahead and like stack on, uh, you know, like that, that low aspect. Then you're going to move on to like the second, third and fourth order harmonics. And really at the end of the day, you play with those amount of harmonics and layer them in on top, make sure they're all in phase, everything else and hit them with that saturation. And that's what fills out the next layer of speakers, which are typically you're going to call them mid kicks. They might be a little bit more punchier on the transients, like so that as a system, like they translate kicks and stuff a lot better. Um, they're all, they're going to sit in like what you might call the mud box, you know, like the, the early hundreds or so in you know the, the mix, but they're going to carry the frequencies that are like 70 Hertz through, you know, like upwards of maybe up to 200 down to 150, somewhere like that. And the whole point of that is so like, if you have a big fat 808, right. And you even look at the, the, the waveform and you see it clipped a little bit. That's going to give you indication that like you're going to be bringing in and introducing through the Fourier series more of the second, third, fourth order harmonics. Those are going to be in different amounts and you can shape those amounts to give you different like subtle tones. Mm -hmm. But basically when you layer that on top, it's no longer just like one sub. It's now a more like rounded, cohesive and more translatable signal that is going to come through those mid kicks as well. And that's what like gives you that chest pressure. That's what gives you that fun, like the clipping almost aspect of it per se, because those I mean, luffs, bro. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's also just also, I mean, like you're going to hear it. And especially yeah. even, even if you're not even talking about systems, you're even talking about a cell phone. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is where, uh, you know, we were talking earlier. It's all about really training your ear and it's not always necessarily about how you're hearing it. You can do this on headphones. You just got to really train yourself to like work with this stack of like, I, the, the best way to do it in my opinion. So you have, you have your low element, you have your mid element with your saturation on it. Obviously you're going to do a little bit of like extra EQ to make sure you're not punching heavy on the mud box or anything and just making it too, clunky in that that like 100 hertz area or whatnot yeah but this is where the this is where the listening comes in once you know that perfect amount of saturation to balance that with and you introduce this other tone that uh some people call it a tracking frequency mm. essentially like there's a couple different ways to do it but the most effective way i've found have another send for your sub distort the shit out of it abuse the fuck out of it <laughs> just like just you can even layer in a little white noise too and then go ahead and take a really, really, really tight like bell curve, like a band pass. And just take it a little bit of like somewhere between one and five K and layer in just a little bit there. And it's going to be this little extra fuzz, but 
if you're using the original like subtone, that fuzz is going to still translate out like a discernible tone. And you layer it in just a little bit so that like if you're on the car stereo, if you're on a cell phone, if you're on the earbuds, or if you're on the big boy rig, there's this extra bit of tracking frequency that's going to be a naturally generated harmonic from that original sub yeah. so that it tricks your ears into like helping you discern yeah. the actual pitch. You can think about what the sub is doing yes. without hearing it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it actually just helps the cohesiveness. And when you have stuff like that, you can find you're pushing your sub a lot less and you're giving yourself way more balance in your mix overall. Because you've created like a great weapon of a sub that you don't need <laughs> to over like insert it into the mix. And you can leave yourself way more headroom for, you know, getting those luffs out or just making sure other stuff just isn't getting too drowned out by it. Because it's real easy to overdo the bass. I mean, yeah, you know, that's that's everyone's first mistake is like bass make it sound good <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's just uh, you know it's also a matter of just like teaching yourself how to listen because yeah. yeah like anyone's first time trying to like actually understand compressors louder isn't always better louder doesn't mean i made the signal like more optimum for like what my application is it's a training yourself of like how is it in relation to everything else and less of is it loud or not yeah real thank you for that because like you were ta you were telling us that a little bit earlier and I was like bro <laughs> this is eye opening cuz i you know i'm always thinking about like how are especially dubstep artists or like you know what we were just listening to yeah it's so subtle like the the differences between the tones of the sub it's like that's what it's all about mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i feel like you just laid the groundwork essentially to how to think about creating or you know manipulating the different elements of that so, it's all about the pyramids it's the pyramids the triangles Dude, i'm telling you or we're about to get deep into some spiritual shit <laughs> word let's let's uh you want to run the whip yeah yeah uh, i think it's honestly just called like sbx way <laughs> uh this is a this is a collab track with the homie waylo out of colorado he uh shout out he, bring, he brings a slightly different flavor but I fuck with it hard. It might be a little bit closer, like what kids might like prefer is like classic rhythm or whatnot. But he brings fun elements to it, and he's not a bitch about his production. And he he pulls his weight. And so like when you can combine two kind of like slightly different areas, you end up with a fun like unique product. And uh, like so far, what we got out of this, um, I'm loving. If you want to run it, whatever. too like rhythm -y. no no i mean like all, it's it's i was expecting country rhythm you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> and i mean i i feel like there's a lot of like deep dubstep kids that are like just scared of anything mid-range 
They're like, if it's not if it's not subs and like the most gentle FM wob with no distortion, I'm not into it. It's corny. That's some dastic shit. This excision, I don't I don't fuck with that. Just have nah, fun man, with it, man. I, I'm, I'm with it. think uh like dubstep and just bass music is getting to that level of like metal music where it's like no bro that's actually uh whatever like i don't even know some i i had a i had an interesting conversation with this with somebody pretty recently and they introduced the concept that like every genre even like niche genres gotta end up going through like three deaths Mm. and i mean like even with dubstep you know, it, it had its like 2012 Skrillex moment where like, you know, we got to watch this like niche thing, like break heavy into the mainstream. And like, yeah, there, there's consequences with that. Like there's and not all of them bad, uh, yeah. but you know, like, you know, there's going to be that explosion. It's going to be more focused on the mainstream level and the underground is not going to get the same love that it did. But guess what? It's going to come back around once it happens again, I kind of feel like we might be pretty close to it. I don't know if EDM is like about to have a big bubble burst or not. I mean, there's all sorts of like market indicators you can look at to like point either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it's kind of having a bit of its second death right now. Uh, you know, especially like the deeper end of dubstep, you know, the stuff that like 10 years ago you would have called dungeon <laughs> instead of like dubstep or something. Uh, like that's that's the end thing right now. That's the top thing getting pushed uh, or like some form of it to like whatever kind of like, like niche subculture, uh, you know, on a more local or regional level, but especially in the Midwest, uh, it's getting pushed hard and, you know, on a little bit more like larger level of like almost the live nation kind of like style uh, shows. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can either embrace it, and understand it and know that there's a larger macro cycle that like after this fad ends and it gets to come back again, each time this happens, you get to cultivate a new level of heads. If that makes sense. Yeah. A new, a new like generation. generation. So when you hit that third generation or so, it's like Bible. It's like, yeah, it's been around. It's been around. We've developed like all sorts of different, areas to it all sorts of different philosophies schools of thought attitudes uh moments nostalgia whatnot to where it gets to culminate into a more like cohesive thing Mm. and it's in its process it's not in its infancy anymore but i don't think we're in adulthood we're in the we're in the angsty teens of dubstep if you (laughs) want to be honest so you know like there's 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 gonna be some triumphant moments there's gonna be probably some uh some upcoming like not caring about dubstep at all when it comes to like the kids who are really into it now on the more like pop mainstream EDM level. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, 
in my opinion, with like the kind of dubstep that's like getting pushed, especially in the Midwest, with a lot of it being a little bit more rootsy kind of themed, a lot of it being a little bit more, I feel like there's a lot of attitudes of kids that are coming out of EDM. And EDM to me, if you want me to describe it, is like the target demographic that it's aiming for is like age 16 to upwards like 24. And what they're selling is like, it's an experience and it's sensory overload. It is music that is meant to be like ramrod mixed together with as <laughs> like, it, it's meant to be riding a roller coaster, man. You're meant to hit these huge peaks and these huge valleys yeah. of emotion range. And you know, like a huge build to this filthy drop where you just fucking lose your mind. The Molly's kicking in, whatever. <laughs> and, and then before you know it, you're back at this big flowery like build. And like, it's a rinse and repeat cycle. It's like 37 seconds. I can't listen to it anymore. It gives me anxiety. I'm just like, dude, like you almost gave me like something to work with. Like as far as like enjoying, I got yeah. like 16 bars of that. And now we're back to like a huge energy dropout with some like flowery pianos building, yeah. building back into some epic filthy fucking drop, bro. So, so I'm curious, two questions. Do you think that like they've gotten just that much better at doing this, that it's been perfected and, yeah, and, and also, yeah. do you feel like when you were that age range, like you were into that? Yeah, or do you definitely. like? Because I'm feeling like we we had that, and I was into that. That like big drop, big build up. Um, but I do feel like now it's like more formulaic. In a sense, I felt like back then it was people were still trying to figure it out. But maybe that's not the case. I don't know. I mean, sure. I would, I would say like, I've watched it evolve and this is my personal opinion. Yeah. I've watched it evolve from like, I mean, man, like shit was wild back in the day. <laughs> I remember seeing Crisley on a lineup on a tour with Eodo, you know, like the two yeah, dudes from yeah. uh, string cheese. And like nowadays be like, who the fuck thought that was a good idea. But like, it <laughs> was the wild, like, it was the wild West back in the day, you yeah. know, like there were no rules. I, and I, I don't know if there was exactly rules today in the same sense that you might think about it like that. But like, I, it's very, I would say it's gotten way more formulaic now. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, there's a, there's a carbon copy, way to do everything and like you know especially when you look at stuff like the amount of ableton templates you can grab for free that like basically yeah. sound like any spinning records track or something like that and Whoa, you're, you're, i never even grabbed any templates like i never even thought about that but it's the same concept as i like mean it's the photoshop same. template whatever like i mean you know like yeah. uh Markets are saturated. But why am I so naive? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no. I mean, some people just never thought to do it, you know? Yo, actually, that reminds me. Have you heard of that? I forget what the artist's name is, but they, like, basically just, like, took some sample packs and, like, re Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, and I think, it was, I think it was honestly, like, uh, it wasn't even so much that they used sample packs. They, like, took the... Basically, they took almost... the template song. Yeah, they took the template song and, like, basically recreated, like, the the example that you would get yeah, for like, like a that, different that, structure slightly. Or yeah. Something, no, I mean, it wasn't even that it was, much. Yeah, okay, it was yeah. almost basically, if I remember seeing the video about it, uh, almost like one for one. Yeah. It was pretty similar. Yeah. But, but I, mean, I mean, overall, yeah. I, I, th this is almost where we might tie into like talking about a second death of dubstep because, yeah, no, because at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't know if it was, 
corporate interests that drove someone to do that or whatnot, or just the environment that producer DJs are expected to with their output, I'd say, you know, where it's like some people are really quickly getting thrust into positions where they're playing 30 shows a year at like two grand each. And like, you know, they got management teams being like, we need three EPs like by like next month and we need them to go to XYZ place. It's labels ran by some of the largest festivals in the U S you know, we, we need all this from you. And some people just aren't ready to deliver that. Yeah. Do you know any people personally that have like gone through that ringer? That does seem, it well, seems like I mean, a great opportunity. No, it's it one of those great seem... opportunities. I think you don't have to name any names. No, no. I, I think what it comes down to is some people get, they get like a year or two into production. Oh yeah. And they sell their personality so hard and all these other things. And none of these things on their own are bad. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, like when you're playing an RPG game, you get way too ahead before you get enough XP and you face that boss and you're like four levels under like <laughs> yeah. what you need. No, I'm normally your, the other way where you, I'm yeah. like, I have way too much. And then when the boss comes up, I'm like, you're like, well, that Bitch. was way too easy. Yeah. I like overprepared. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I just feel like there's a lot of people who might get put into positions where they're just, they're just not ready. Yeah. And that's that's not a shade on them or anything. That is not saying they're not capable of being ready. It's just like you just might need another year or two minimum of like learning how to creative process in order to meet up with these demands that are being made of you. And if you're not able to keep up, then corners get cut and sometimes stuff like this happens. Yeah, where you're like, dude, I just need a track. Yeah, and I mean like, you know, I I don't think anyone should get roasted too hard for no, that yeah. because it's all about looking at the bigger picture and I feel like some people are put into positions to do stuff they're not ready to do yet and when they're not ready corners get cut and sometimes stuff like that happens and that's, that's also, really it. Also I just think about if I were to put myself in that position like when I started making music that was like oh, dude we're gonna fucking kill it we're gonna like DJ we're gonna be sick we're gonna win a Grammy and like maybe maybe we'll still do that but like if you're given that opportunity when you're young and like you're getting money and you're going on a tour and you're playing to all these people it sounds like a crazy lifestyle and most people can't do that so like do it man like that's sick but i do also see what you're saying where it's like all right well how am I going to keep this going? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of just depends on what your larger picture goal is. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, if you're, if you're in this industry and you want to like last, you got to have a plan to last. You got to have a long-term goal and you got to have markers the whole way. You got to think about like, where do I want to be in 10 years and like work backwards from there? And I know like a 10 year goal isn't really like realistic for anyone, but like if you have serious aspirations, like you should, you might be able to at least like horseshoe hand grenade kind of figure out where you want to be. Just work backwards from there. Think about where you want to be in eight years, where you want to be in six years, five years, three years, two years. And then from there, you start to work towards more realistic goals of like where you want to go, where you want to do what you want to do, how you want to do it, how you're going to get there. You think about one month, six month, nine yeah. month, year goals, you know, and you just got to carve out a bigger plan and you got to think about like, I don't know how to explain this one really best. 
there is a lot of weird social pressure and uh, this this idea that everyone needs to be an influencer, that everyone needs to have this rags to riches like like Eminem style, like uh, uh, Eight Mile, your Fifty Cent get rich trying like story, and you gotta have this this crazy underdog like energy and if you don't have that like it's not gonna work no man it's really easy to get sucked into like a bullshit hustler uh mentality Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter how much dog you have in you you know we're like yeah he's got that dog in him (laughs) and i mean you can you can feel like you have all that that you want and you can still end up like just doing the same shit five years later and just wonder like why why didn't i go anywhere either one didn't have a plan or you didn't have a plan that was realistic or you didn't have a plan that like you were going to be able to follow and you know like yeah you're you're going to need that motivation don't don't get me wrong don't let that go nowhere but motivation without a plan is just it's a, it's a fancy tractor stuck in the mud. It's, Blind it's, courage. <laughs> it's, it's useless, you know? Yeah. And yeah, going back to what you were saying about just how people get so, I don't know, caught up in that fantasy of things. It's like if something like that is kind of in your sights of, you know, going on tour and collaborating and playing with some of these like crazy artists, like it, it's next to impossible. I believe if any of us got put in that position, to like say no to something like that right oh so yeah you just go down that path and you don't really have the mind of like okay like what's you know what is this going to be for uh the rest of the culture what is this going to mean in five years you know do, does it have the sustainability it's like you're looking at like fucking a paycheck and a record release and you're like fuck yeah let's do it right? yeah like well i mean you know there's the 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 longer something like the music industry goes on the more of like four five six dimensional chess it becomes <laughs> so now we haven't we haven't talked about like trying to own your own masters or whatever or, like trying to actually negotiate out like how much you're doing streaming or something like that mm-hmm. and you know you might not have the same kind of market revenue share that like hip-hop might have when it comes to streams or something but like it's figuring out all these different like facets you got to get educated on and like it's a shitty process man yeah i'm actually curious because you seem like a very insightful person in general but also on the subject matter i'm curious how you learned a lot and you know it's i feel like it's always through like friends and people and just like you know what i mean mean? you know like i went to college for audio engineering okay and i learned a bit of music business the thing is like yeah such a thing like music business is so evolving uh-huh. and it is dude the ai not to like well, <laughs> just, I, 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 i'm not even going to touch on ai i'm just yeah, talking like i'm just the, saying that that's the, like the, the way the power is held on the upper end versus like the producing artists anyone actually like holding the industry together yeah. versus like the the weight that is on the managerial aspect up top of like these hierarchies that have been created the power is just so backwards balanced against your favor Mm -hmm. that really this is how you just have to learn shit every time you're entering a new arena you just have to realize like i'm gonna take sometimes what might seem like some hard l's what might seem like some like i just gotta get learned on how i can get fucked in this next like (laughs) level yeah and once you learn all those ways that you can get fucked 
you begin to realize how you can protect yourself from getting fucked, but you just got to learn it kind of the hard way. Either that or like just, again, either have a really great resource. I worked at a smoke shop over COVID. Um, Yeah, I saw that. You were like holding this little bong. Yeah, yeah. It was a a cool place. Uh, They did like all their own in-house glass blowing and like people would bring in rigs and stuff that they broke. We're like, hey man, can you fix this? (laughs) Every now and then you get like some goober who's like, oh man, can you make me a like a big old bong with like Bowser on it? That would be so cool, bro. You're like, sure dude like yeah. I'll, I'll let the glass blower know you got the money but uh one of my co-workers as a side hustle he did like uh i forgot exactly like exactly what he did mm-hmm. but he worked with figuring out who owned a different masters and like did like licensing and stuff like sometimes uh companies would hit him up and be like hey we want to use like xyz song for a commercial we'll pay you x amount of money to go figure out who owns the masters and this and that Mm. and so he'd use his resources that he paid for to like run like bmi or ascap or something like that to like look up stuff and uh would basically then like be an intermediary to like negotiate like hey uh like what rights can they rent or like purchase or whatever for like this piece of work for whatever they're trying to do like 10 seconds of a viagra commercial or something like that i don't even know how this dude got into it <laughs> yeah but it's, like, so, it's like kind of sink-esque type of the like sink uh like the sink industry you know yeah like, yeah <laughs> like making sinks but you're like the middleman <laughs> and you just kind of chill and make some money yeah That's it's kind of dope yeah, yeah. Uh, but so he taught me a bit about like owning your masters and stuff like that and actually how sometimes easy but also incredibly hard it can be yeah and yeah. uh you know when you when you think about concepts of like owning your own masters to your own music usually it's not that big a deal but then when you think about like these newer tools that are available to people and like like TikTok, mm-hmm. if you have like some sort of Instagram audio, TikTok audio, whatever, and like I honestly don't even know the, the current status of TikTok. Dude, like if you like, get paid out well for it or whatnot, but like yeah. I'm just saying, like, if again, if you got that dog in you and you got some skills and you're just like constantly hustling out beats on reels and trying to figure out some way to get this planted to like have a real trend and like your track gets put on there like a million and a half times or whatever, like overnight and that shit can happen. Yeah. It's not that uh, unfeasible, but it's how much you actually get paid if you own your masters or not to like those beats. I don't, I don't know the metrics. I don't, I don't know exactly how that all works. I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Cause like, you know, the, the, sorry, Mace, were you going to say, no, you're good. We've got actually got a buddy, um, who, uh, I think he has had two tracks go viral on TikTok. One had like fucking 10 million or something plays. Another one had like a couple million. And um, he actually did see some stuff from that, not just from the subsequent streams on like Spotify and whatever, but like from the actual TikTok thing. Yeah. I think he released on like a, I don't know if it was a full on label or just a SoundCloud label, but it was a pretty established brand. And yeah, you see a little bit of that, but yeah you know well the real tough. the thing i've been and like i don't want to turn this into like a how to game social media like thing yeah. but like the thing that i was thinking about the other day that was kind of disturbing me is uh dude a, a lot of accounts like i'll follow producer meme accounts because like it's just funny to me yeah but 
I'll notice that like a lot of these accounts will just jack like screen record or something like someone else's video and then post it on theirs. And I'm like, bro, what the f like, when did that become cool? But to go back to the whole audio being laced into it and like your master, it's like they technically just created a separate yeah, and thing and like that is totally gonna fuck you over if that's the account that has the viral i'm just like oh absolutely or, or like even something as simple again not trying to just make this like a whatever i talk about instagram AI. way too much yeah dude ai um <laughs> if you say ai Crypto. enough you'll go viral well, i was wondering <laughs> i was wondering about like if you get like soundcloud to master your track if who owns the master on that right because that's kind of a new thing where they have like the yeah, powered by know. dolby like they can master right, but I, right. I, you're not going down that so uh, i don't continue. know i think at that point you'd probably own it right because like lander who the fuck knows anyway but the thing i was just going to say to like you know close this out is like i uh you know if, if you do like some post production stuff and you edit someone's song into a video and like you know you want to do the side chain compression you want it to like you know have the voices sitting on top and whatever do like the fancy shit you can't do that at least at this point on like tiktok um so like if you do that you can't really insert their audio the same way and then it's not going to go back to you know that whole master thing and i'm just yeah. like how do we like well I, how do we I, figure that out too i don't know if you can i mean yeah. and see here's the thing like uh when you hop on facebook or something and it shows you videos it might as well just be like there's this is one channel i'm pretty sure it's like based out of vietnam or something and it always fucking pops up on my feed i don't know why <laughs> and it's usually like taking like are they trying to sell you Sped, snake blood? No, no, no. It's like it's like scenes of like eighties shows, like oh, just eighties sitcoms or whatever. Just like sped up, put into a weird aspect ratio so that like the automatic flaggers don't grab it. Mm -hmm. And also, I wonder if they just like grab like shows that like might have had their licenses like expire or whatnot. Oh, uh -huh. so they have like free international creative commons or something uh -huh. and they, they re upload it. They pitch, they speed it up and like pitch the vocals up Oh yeah. and they basically just content mill it and they just hope that it's like interesting enough so that you stay there long enough to see an ad. So they get their 10 cents or whatever. And it's basically content milling. Yeah. The content mill. I've never heard that. Term, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. and it, you know, this is where you get people who just re upload like popular ASMR videos in like a weird frame or whatever yeah. to, like, to spoof the, don't the, do that. If you're out there, like I get that that's like a business. Like you could like find some YouTuber and it's like, yeah, you just got to follow all these trends and do all this shit and like have a content mill. But it's like, dude, I don't know. Fuck that. I'm just gonna take a stand right here. Yeah, I mean, like heated. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it's like not cool. I mean, I guess if you can get that bag, it's like I'm kind of like. I mean, but it's not cool. It's it's like the blue it's check weird. mark. It's not cool, it's not but like maybe it'll anybody. help. No, yeah. it's not helping anything. It's just weird. But like, what makes me wonder is obviously like there's countermeasures to that of like developing better tools of like detecting those frames or whatever. And you could go I'm find just, them. I'm yeah. just wondering like why why aren't there better systems out there for like like all I'm saying is if I can play a DJ set and play an obscure ass at track mm -hmm. on on YouTube 
and have that get flagged immediately or on like on Facebook? How oh, the yeah. how the hell can't TikTok or something else like that like effectively do Grab the same that thing? Seinfeld clip and like <laughs> understand it's Seinfeld. Maybe. <laughs> or I mean, even just when it comes, <laughs> even when it comes to like if if you had a track that was like ripped out of your audio and put on to something else and like who knows what the video yeah, is it's yeah, a dude yeah. skydiving fucking whatever right uh either way like you just i almost feel like you just got to calculate like you're going to take some losses there there's going to be uh gonna get that clout though maybe yeah i mean uh, maybe it'll come around in a, in a weird way but maybe uh maybe it won't you can't really factor that yeah we're in the uh, wild west i'm kind just of say but you that. just yeah, like, you just got to at least like fractionally grab what bags you can and set yourself up in the best amount of systems yeah. so that what you can grab you are getting for sure i also have to believe that yeah. like a lot of it stems from like if you do any kind of fucking star wars content disney's gonna be on your ass right so like the amount yeah, of money depends. you put into like preventing something like that probably has to do with it too yeah for sure. so maybe if you like send youtube a very angry cease and desist for somebody who kind of <laughs> bootlegged your track or something and it's still you know getting two times as many views as you know the original yeah maybe something's there but i don't know what yeah. you always have to wonder is you are you about to fight this battle like that that could go on for months yeah, yeah no fuck, I don't for 57 dollars like, like uh De <laughs> dead mouse in yeah. the fucking um uh what is it the Ferrari or something he had like a disney disney sent him the cease and desist for wrapping his car with like a <laughs> oh yeah do you remember I, that i don't he like got into like a legal battle with disney really because i think he put like mickey mouse no, of no. course dead mouse would just well like, hang on like, wasn't it because they thought no. his logo was too so, close to the mickey mouse logo oh. that was the one with dead mouse or with a uh, disney i'm sorry ferrari sent the, him the cease and desist for wrapping it with the neon cat um, oh oh rap. yeah that's yeah, what yeah, i was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah, oh yeah, okay yeah okay that's interesting <laughs> but isn't that like owned by the dude that made it on YouTube, or who are you saying? Oh, Nyancat? Oh, F Ferrari. They're like, don't wrap our cars like that. We don't like that. Oh, well. Yeah. You making us look goofy, bro. Oh, yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, whatever. That's tangents, bro. That's weird, man. Yeah. No, it's it's the Wild West out here. And like, look, we're not going to game the system tonight, <laughs> but it's it's a fun convo. And I, I do always enjoy going down that rabbit hole. But I, I do want to kind of move to. Um, some other topics here because yeah, we got yeah. we got some ground co to cover still. Um, let's see, what do we? I don't want to do too hard of a cut. I, one thing I actually just wanted to ask you was uh, just going back to sound systems really quick. Um, you know, uh, oh shit, I got to remember the name. Beatdown Sound. Oh yeah, I Dude, love that place. I saw that you played Beatdown Sound, and my friend. No, I didn't play there. Oh, you didn't play? No, I didn't play there. I mean, like I've I've tested tracks there, oh, but okay, I've never okay. actually played a DJ set there yet. Oh, okay, Almost I thought, all my roommates I, thought I saw you like in front of a mix because I've been there and it's a really cool place. They have their own system. It's oh, like yeah, it's like their living room too. I know, dude. It's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, man. Like if anyone in Chicago, um, you know, has the chance, you should go to a beatdown sound show. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, it is well cultured it is such a great time yeah the party you're about to have there is going to be unlike anything you just went to ever. there's there's systems so like this is like because you know systems and this is also kind of where i want to go to is just live sound like i know that you talked about the mega church but like do you can 
you do stuff in live sound still. Like you're very, I do. You're very savvy. I do. I'm, a, I'm an engineer with a, a sound system out here uh, owned by a company called Ronin. Um, oh, okay. We've talked about yeah, Ronin yeah, on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, I love running A1 stuff there just because it's such a weapon of a, <laughs> of a sound system. It's, mm-hmm. it's unreal. It's pretty unprecedented in my opinion. Uh, it's, it's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I got to nerd out a second. No, I, I, um, you know, are there like, how often are you working for them? Cause I know you have your, I usually, your other day job. Yeah. I usually, uh, maybe end up doing about a, a, a gig or a gig a month or so with them. Okay. Um, there's a decent amount of engineers on there. So we kind of all swap out, but, yeah. uh, you know, when there's work available, I'm going to try and grab as much as I can beyond that. Like I also own a sound system. It's a DIY thing that I, oh, you I did. Do? Over, yeah. That I did over COVID. Oh, uh, so bro, Omaha cool. is where I used to live before I moved to Chicago, uh, to do sound system stuff here. But all the Mexican DJs I ever met growing up all use the same Sirwin Vega earthquake juniors. And I love these cabinets. They're folded horn. If you do right DSP on them, you can make them reach really low. You can make them do some really crazy things. And like, if you get in with all these Mexican DJs, they love wheeling and dealing these things. Almost anyone you're going to meet, they got eight of them sitting in a, in a garage somewhere that they're always ready to sell. They're ready to wheel and deal with them. And <laughs> so I got, I got a, a, a set of them and kind of some shittier tops, swap some different drivers into them, did a little bit of modeling. Uh, to figure out how it was going to sound, how I wanted it to, and then just put a bunch of TLC into them. I mean, I, I pulled them apart, rejointed them, resealed them, mm. did a lot to them. Uh, again, because I'm kind of more of a country kid, I painted them like uh, John Deere green and yellow and called it the Ooh. Harvest Hi-Fi. That's and cool. I just host like Midwest based artists that do like sound system worthy music on it. And I've done that in Omaha for. Uh, it's going to be month 17 coming up here. It's is the last the, Saturday. Is that the Quake 402? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, okay. Quake is the name of the series. Gotcha. One kind of named after the uh, the Sirwin Vega earthquakes there, mm. which even more meta in the 1970s when they uh, made the film uh, Earthquake. This is coming off of like the cinema time where they were trying like smell a vision and a bunch of other like weird like gimmicks. Wait, 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 wait. They actually tried that? Oh yeah. I mean like there were there were various movies, especially in the fifties and sixties, that they came up with like the silliest gimmicks for. Uh of like letting scents off, letting like weird theatrics and stuff Honestly, during the movie. That's kinda cool. I yeah, we were they were talking they about were trying that. to they were trying to push the limits. Yeah. And like, you know, some sometimes they even there were some really crazy ideas that some people had, uh, <laughs> but the the one that really stood out for this is they approached Edwin Servinsky of Sir and Vega, and they were like, "Look, can we can you do like a sub drop or something like on the the like well can you make a speaker that like does like a weird rumble and we're gonna have that in in the theater." And on the the reel of the tape, there's actually gonna be just like it's just gonna generate a sine wave on its own little channel here. And uh, we want that routed off to the sub. And so during the earthquake scenes to like give people that like that first like IMAX style, like thump. Yeah. They had them make this uh, weird looking folded horn sub. And he took those designs later and was like, Hey, these, these could actually like be commercially viable. He was like, some these stuff. kind of smack. He's actually. like, yeah, these, these kind of fuck. So <laughs> that's how, that's how the whole earthquake junior, uh, 
series was born and I love working with these things. They're nothing special. They're not going to be the most cutting edge thing you'll ever see. I mean, the technology has not essentially changed in like, I don't know, since the mid nineties, but, uh, I love working with them. I've had a lot of fun with them. If you ever want to like fuck around with like building a, a, a beginner sound system, I always recommend just being like, dude, just look for refurbished shit. And yeah. just play around with that because the cost of materials or whatnot. If you want to go spend like way more money prototyping, like, like whatever plans you found on the internet, go for it. But like Baltic birch plywood is like well over $200, a four by eight. And you're going to need like five of them to prototype one. So like the cost factor is up to you, but there is no need to spend that much money. Yeah. In my opinion. Okay. Wait, no, I want to get into this sound system culture because like I've, thought like after going to beat down sound i was like whoa yeah. like i need to know but before we do that really quick mace i just wanted to check how are we doing with space and all that jazz? we're good on space okay we're chilling yeah. what is it saying uh we got 214 disk space we started at like 300 something oh so we're, we're, we're chilling, chilling. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried to make a lot of space um so <laughs> that's like always a weird worry of mine i'm like how's the space <laughs> like um anyway but like so going back into the sound system culture because i think it is so cool to make your own stack and i could totally see myself getting into that at some point but like just like any other hobby you can go balls to the wall and spend so much money and get like three percent return on like the, oh, yeah. the higher end stuff oh yeah but um you know if you were to just tell someone to like get into this like i know we talked about the sub but like you were just talking about the wood like the wood is the thing that holds all them together and you want to have like good dense wood so there's not a bunch of rattle or whatever like i mean so like the universally accepted material is this stuff called baltic birch plywood this stuff is not like plywood you go get at Menards or whatever. Uh -huh. uh, it's like perfectly straight. Birch is inherently very, pretty heavy, very dense and very hard, uh, but light enough for the applications you'd want it for. Mm. This plywood has like 18 plies on it. You can smack it with uh with a sledgehammer or bounces right off, especially like after you've built a cabinet and you put like Duratex or something on there. Which is essentially sort of like a, a truck bed liner or something like that. It's it's damn near instructable, like a indestructible plastic or something. Or yeah, like kind of. It's like a sort of like a polymer. Okay, okay. Uh, that just like ends up making like a damn near indestructible shell around it. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you've ever seen like a you know like the Rhino liner test where people like cover a watermelon in it and then like toss it off a building and it bounces like a basketball. Whoa. Yeah, this stuff is whoa. Material engineering that we're living in is is crazy we're yeah. about to see some cool things happen in the next 10 years Sick. uh excited and i mean this isn't even exactly new technology it's this, this materials engineering that we're working with has been around for like 10 years or so at least mm -hmm. um but you know like when it comes to uh if you want to get into sound system like that you can be a part of the culture and not have to worry about owning a sound system or doing anything like that really at the end of the day like sound system culture is it kind of comes from like Jamaican roots of just being like, yo, we got this crew of people. We cut some cool records. We remixed them like in our clay hut. And like we made this homemade sound system. We're just going to play some tunes out with our crew. Uh, 
the sound system is more than just like a stack of speakers. It's it's the crew. Yeah. You know, you got like a guy working the mic. You got your producers. You got your selector. You got the you, dub siren. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. You got the dub siren guy in the no, like legitimately. No, I, yeah, like, wait, absolutely. Have, I, have no, I been dude, lost on this? Are you B, serious? We should go to Beatdown Sound sometime. They have like, oh, the guy took me to the back and showed me it one time because we were staying late. And he was very gracious and just showed. I was like, dude, what? And this that is one, insane. That one is very unique because uh, that uses a totally different system to like power everything. Um, you know, like you got your power amps or whatever. That's normal. But they use this thing called a sound system preamp where like it's kind of like a DJ mixer on a rack, only instead of EQs, it's like individual analog tube driven preamps wow. that go to each. Uh, component essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's how you're you're live mixing the tracks or whatnot on the sound system as an instrument, like all one thing. And you can sit there and you got these little effects ends, mm -hmm. and you know they're kind of crazy. They got like a little tape echo, and then they got like an open spring delay that you can slap and stuff like that. And uh, you can just route it into there, and you know, like especially like vocals or whatnot. You. You put that into a weird spacey like rolling delay or whatever, like when you're working the party, that 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 gets so fun. It gets so weird. It gets so <laughs> drippy. It gets so spacious. And it it really it, it can feel like you're opening up a, a, a portal. And really at the end of the day, like people enjoying sound system stuff, it's it's like church, man. Yeah. You just want to like hear the highest fidelity you can of like music that makes you feel good. That's kind of at the end of the day, and you just get to share that experience with everyone else. And, uh, yeah. you know, like. So it's it, just to be clear, a lot more than just getting an expensive powered rack or oh, passive yeah. rack and an amp and then walking around with an iPad and adjusting levels. It yeah. goes like way deeper than like that. running the deep. whole thing yeah. has become an instrument. The whole process is now a performance. Oh, my God. Yeah. The unsung heroes, dude. Dude, it's crazy. That's like, awesome. and standing next to that thing, you're just like, I feel like it's just like massaging my body. I'm like, oh, I yeah. could just sit here with plugs in and just like feel great. When they uh, they use a lot of old school designs for their their setup there that I love. They use uh, it's called Mogali Super Scoops. Uh, is like the plans you can get online. Uh, Mogali was like a guy who uh, kind of came up with the whole design. So like, uh, mm. you see the driver in the front. And then it's like a transmission line behind it that comes out as the scoop. And again, those go pretty low. Like those like those really slam around like 30 hertz or so. Mm. And then they've got like smaller versions of that and like other folded horns that are like just a smaller form factor. But in speaker design, like you can de decrease the size. It just means you're going to be playing slightly higher notes, mm. uh, you know, or in order to go low, you're going to be using a shitload more power. Mm. So it's got to really move yeah, that you, speaker. You, you basically just design the speaker cabinets around like each specific bandwidth that you want. Right. And I think there's like five different like sets of components ranging from like huge 21 inch subs going down to like, like ribbon tweeters and stuff on the top. And again, each of these like are independently controlled by a different preamp. Yeah. On that like master rack and tube. And yes. Yes. It's all analog. It gives it that different like, Warm. more woody mm. it definitely it brings out again like you know when i talk about the second third fourth order harmonics 
that kind of distortion definitely, or I don't want to call it distortion, but like that gentle soft clipping saturation, kind of whatever, however you want to describe it that you're getting out of those preamps just opens up so much more musical tone. Mm. And again, like, uh, especially when you're looking at like classic sound system music that might be like remixed, like dub reggae or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to like those like bass guitars, you know, like they're, they're like walking, uh, and like the way it comes out on a system like that yeah does not sound Dude, like a bass guitar or anything it's just huge they have a dub night i need to go oh yeah Dude, yeah oh yeah those dub well, clubs that they throw are unreal because yeah. like the sub clubs are cool of course that's more that like deep dark yeah it's it's more whatever. on the more on the electronic aspect but when they do the yeah. the dub clubs you are getting some like pretty authentic like sound yeah, system dub go. reggae vibes you know like Sh- they, shout out beat down yeah, sound huge shout out that's yeah there's a reason uh they're well regarded and they they just nice people some, too oh, the incredible. nicest people that's incredible uh, yeah, they're great you guys are taking me to one we're going time. yeah oh, no definitely. we're going we're definitely going. definitely um, secret location kind of if you know you yeah, know it, it is yeah. it's a if you know you know thing and like you know an hour or two before the show you get text the location that's yeah. that's how it's supposed to be that is a yeah. real underground event mm-hmm. you know yeah it's fun it's as authentic as you're gonna get so you know one thing i also wanted to cover is we're talking about these big ass systems that are super powerful and um you know like one thing that's very important as well is uh, protecting your ears. Yes, all the way. Like, all the way. So, you know, minor plug here. <laughs> Quake earplugs. Let's talk about that because this is something that, you know, first of all, you, you gifted to us, so we're very appreciative of you're, that. You're more than welcome. But, like, dude... Not having earplugs is just an insane thing to think that like I'll go to shows and people and I'll be like, damn, it's loud. And I'll just watch people not have earplugs. And I'm like, fuck, Uh, man, people who are clearly going to those shows like weekly too. Yeah, I'm like worried about. Well, I mean, especially it's like it's not even just going to a loud show. It's sometimes when you see them and they're like sauced and you're just like gripping the subwoofer, like sticking their face in it. And you're just like, I mean, really, at the end of the day, you got to think about like your ears the same way you would about anything else. I mean, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't weld without uh, a, a welding mask. You know, you there's a lot of stuff you wouldn't do without adequate protection. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't walk down a, an alley barefoot. You know, it's the thing just, I, the just, thing I think about sometimes too is that really that like sells it for me is we've gotten to a point where we have such powerful technology, you have to have the things that can protect you from that. It's not like we're out in nature and like a tiger roars and like, oh, fuck, that was really loud. But it was like a one-time thing and I'm probably going to get eaten now. (laughs) Or like, it's not like there's nothing in nature that's even that loud. There There are things in nature that are loud. For sure, Volcanoes. but like I mean, maybe, yep. maybe get struck by lightning or something. But I feel like you got bigger worries than like, oh, was it too loud for my ears? But but the chance of you going to a bar, and this is a thing that I even have trouble with too, where it's like a social aspect, where it's like you're at a bar, it's too loud, and you're just like, fuck, 
am I going to put my plugs in at this like low key ass bar? Like it, it's kind of sucks. Um, honestly, I feel like I wish things were just not as goddamn loud, but well, I, I agree. Yeah. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like at a hundred DB, it only takes 15 minutes to start uh, causing some permanent hearing loss. What is a hundred DB just for like reference? Yeah, I know that's, that's not I easy. Mean, like if you're next to like, Oh fuck. Um, there's also like continuous versus like a transient. Yeah. Sound. Yeah. Like just, a peak. I yeah, mean, right. you're talking more like a hundred DB, like kind of constant. Yeah. Pretty constant. Mm-hmm. I mean like any average, like even rock concert or something you go to, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily like pounding bass in your face or whatever, but like, yeah, at the end of the day, unless you're, unless you're going to an opera or something like that, like odds are like, you're, you're probably going to be exposed to some higher sound levels. Yeah, and uh, I feel like we're entering a, a a newer age. I'd even say of like awareness of being like, hey, you know, not just because there's a lot of kids that go to super loud concerts and stuff anymore. And super loud concerts aren't new. I mean, no, yeah. your parents been doing that since you know the '60s. Yeah, like it's 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 fine. Uh, it's it's fun. just it's just yeah. understanding like, hey, maybe like if I really want to enjoy this lifelong. I need some hearing protection. And, you know, we started to think about that uh, with the shows that we throw in Omaha yeah, uh, with our brand Quake out there. And we thought like, hey, you know, like we can provide like, you know, the the it costs us 10 cents each. But, the, you know, the the orange foamies that you might get at like your your blue collar job in the factory or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, those do the job, but they sound like shit. Dude, when I put those in, it sounds like you're underwater. I'll bring them, but I'm like, I'll like put them in barely like they're about to fall out like that's like i i wish i didn't have those type of deal but you know what but they're better than nothing oh yeah a pro tip is pretty much any concert you go to they're gonna have some at the sound booth if If you're at a music festival and you forget your earplugs go up to any of the sound booths we did it this this summer the guys will give you free plugs yeah they're like happy also another tip too that i remember when i went to columbia they told us and I still do this sometimes is like if you don't have anything and there's no sound guys or whatever, like you can just go into the bathroom and like roll up some tissue paper, shove those oh. in your ear. And like that will take the edge off. That will help. It you. will. I mean, you're, yeah. you're buying a little bit of headroom. Yeah. You know, it's just enough because like the thing is, if you look at the table, if you bring it down, like, OK, let's say 100 dB, you can be there for 15 minutes without damage if you bring it down to like 96 it's like all right i don't know what the actual number is but like 45 yeah, minutes you, you, or you something. definitely bought and yourself then, quite a bit more time yeah so it's you got to look at the mm. the niosh that's apparently like the the best the measurement. Version. yeah like yeah. it's like the, they're the dudes that know <laughs> anyway but back, yeah back i mean we we just basically started thinking like you know we can help actually shape culture here and saying like we can create a socially acceptable environment and an easily acceptable product that doesn't have to break the bank. It's actually like way lower than a lot of other like similar competitors as far as price point. And like you get to enjoy the music without it sounding like shit too. Cause it's, it's really easy to throw that balance off, you know? Right, and yeah. and it, again, as an engineer, if I spend a bunch of time EQing the shit out of uh, the system for a room, you know, I put in all this work. Like, why would I not want people to enjoy it as much as I poured energy into it? So being able to provide a product like this for our customers, be able to say, look, 
long game. We want you guys to be able to enjoy this with us for years. I don't want you burned out here in a couple of years being like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I can't hear for uh, ass. Like anytime I hop in my car and like want to listen to music, the, the, the dial's all the way over and you hear all the speakers just like blown. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I kind of got a little faint bit of it. And you're like, no, nah, man, that's that's going to be a terrible way to live our lives. Yeah. And like as a I don't want to say I'm like a leader or anything, but if I'm in a leadership position of being like, hey, I'm curating this stuff. It does kind of falls almost a bit of responsibility to offer that kind of thing. If I understand like the risks involved to them physiologically and whatnot. Yeah, it would make me a shitty person not to like act on that to a certain degree. So, uh, you know, being able to provide a fairly discounted product for hearing protection for our customers or whatnot, yeah. and uh, just kind of open that up throughout anyone who just wants to take their hearing seriously and to start to create this environment that says, like, you should. This is something you should invest in as much as, uh, you know, you'd wear a helmet on a motorcycle, as much as you'd wear... Uh, uh, sandals to the beach as much as you would. Yeah, you but know. even in a different sense than a helmet, because like I, I bike around the city and I wear a helmet. And like, if you never get hit by anything, you know, knock on wood, then you know you don't have to wear a helmet. But yeah. if you're going to concerts, like it, it's like a it's, duration yes. thing. Like, yes, there is like a loud ass sound that could like fuck you up like a transient that's just like way too loud like a gunshot um but generally it's more the duration stuff that gets you yeah absolutely and again like that's why it comes down to like hey if you're trimming off even a few db you've yeah. bought you've bought yourself that duration time is much much longer yeah you know what i mean so where can people find the plugs is it like uh so you can find them honestly just off of our website uh it's a <laughs> qwa.ke it's a kenyan domain but there's no dot com or whatnot qwa.ke <laughs> that's funny uh you can find links off of our socials being uh quake.402 for insta or we just look up quake uh and find the page that is not the video game uh on facebook you should be able to find all the links <laughs> video game from slabs there. too yeah hey quake is awesome man they're also uh pretty sleek you know like they don't stick out of your ear if you're like worried about being that guy i don't think that that really matters that much anymore um I, in terms I don't, of like looking goofy or something i think that doesn't matter i think there's so many other things you can do to look goofy uh that right. like earplugs should be the least of your concerns anymore and honestly like i uh, we went to good measures and went to a decent amount of time invested to keep sending back uh, the samples that like our manufacturer was giving us to make sure we got the type of material right. We yeah. used like a, a different kind of room temp vulcanizing uh, silicone and all this other different stuff that gave it a softer feel. We paid a little bit more money up front to have like our own custom molds made. So they are a different size and like you can get just straight up from anyone. Yeah. Uh, it's like the nicest happy medium that fits about anybody's ear without really having to size it. Uh, ranging from some people I know that got tiny ass ear canals and then some people got fucking caverns. Uh, <laughs> it's it, yeah. it all stays in there fine. I got a buddy who he was at uh, North American Music Makers Conference 
and he was working some booths there, and also he had a uh, a loud hotel mate who just snored all night. <laughs> And he messaged me and he said, like, hey, man, I use these out there. And, like, I really didn't take these out the whole time. They were so comfy. I I basically slept with them in because, like, dude snored so loud and there was really nothing I could do about it. And, like, you know, I'm just in a loud environment all day, like eight, nine hours a day. And yeah. he just wore them basically the whole week 24-7. That's awesome. And, uh, like, came back and gave kudos on it. And I was like, all right. Comfort is cool. huge. And I just, I just want to say that... Um, you know, this isn't like a paid sponsorship or anything like not yet. You, <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um, but like, it, it's really something that we believe in here. So like, definitely we, we've said it like every yeah. episode at this point, protect yeah. your ears and yeah. back your shit, back up. your shit up. Yeah. But like, yeah, man, just like, it's important. And I, I think these are good ones. So check them out. I've liked them so far. And I mean, you know, like, I've owned anywhere from like, you know, foamies to, you know, the couple hundred dollar audiologist custom customs. Yeah. And, you know, you protect those with your life. But <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't really think there's anything at the price point you can find that's going to beat it. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, I'm going to have my own bias. You know, I, I help create these. But right. I, right. Uh, really, at the end of the day, I, I think it's about the best bang for your buck you're going to get. Uh, Instead of going to Guitar Center for a $40 pair that they have at checkout, you know, yeah, support your local artists. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, well, I think we I think we did our due diligence there. Hell yeah, bro. (laughs) Um, But I think we need to run a couple tracks. I I think so, too. And then honestly, I got a I got a wrap up question and, you know, we'll call this we'll call it a day. All righty. But yeah, no, I, I feel like we went down a deep <laughs> conversation and that's what I fucking love. Oh, yeah. Because we can listen to the music off air. You know, anyone can. Yeah. But like, I let's, do want to run some. Let's uh, let's do Phalanx. Hey. This one came out on Chief Kaya's label. Uh, what is Defy a Phalanx? Culture. Is that a thing? Uh, It's basically like a formation of Greek soldiers that are all basically like holding huge ass shields oh, and then yeah, having yeah, like, like a long pike like 300 yeah style. basically that's a phalanx Bro, you know, i should just, know that man it's like the ultimate defensive position yeah and with 140 you don't have to keep it like slow and slurky a lot of kids like are all about that but like i like other areas of it i like it a little bit more driving almost like technical a little bit more emphasis on like just forward moving like 16th notes and stuff Combined with some more hypnotic bass lines, you'll you'll see what I mean. I knew there was a Chicago side of you here with the 909 hi hat. <laughs> Always. It's the best one out there. It, it really is.
that sound that's like that that one yeah it's just a sample mangling and just like sending it through a lot of reverb and then like really if you want to unlock like sound design the final step is figuring out granular stuff because mm. once you can do that the world's yours that, I, but that's that's like final form synthesis like theory right there Does this bring up any like imagery in your head? I mean, there's a bunch of different philosophies that I kind of like like to approach with. Yeah, I like darker sound palettes. I like playing with a lot more space and stuff like that. And again, I even made this in a, a time that like I might look back and say like, yeah, you really were afraid of like mid range, weren't you? But I like to try and create stuff that can like generate spiritual experiences for people which is why i like hypnotic moving sub bass lines that might not really even like necessarily be fitting exactly what the fuck else is going on in context but giving almost this like polyrhythmic feel that kind of like can kind of pull you into like a trance a little bit the trance yeah keep it going type of deal that like the not the drop yeah it's yeah. it's way more progressive than like something that requires a drop i like right layers i like slow ramp if rick and morty ever said anything that was true the slow ramp gets their dicks hard morty <laughs> word well you said something interesting and we should also run another track in one sec but i i was just gonna say that you know getting people into like this hypnotic state um is something that you are actively trying to do and oh, you were absolutely. saying like a spiritual kind of thing like I don't know. Maybe we could run one and talk over it. Uh, do we have any of those? Because like I'm gonna do the side chain and then um, is the I got another one with Waylo on there called uh, I think Teriyaki Sauce. Mm. It was a remix I did for him. Um, hang on. I do not see that on here. Is Faded still on there? Faded is on. Yeah, here. yeah. Let's run that one. Word. All right. Nice. Sit down. Then do it. Pass out. Wake up.
Let's talk psychedelics really quick and just spirituality because oh, I, yeah, we don't like, I don't even know what to ask, but I just know that like, I feel like you're thinking about it. When I you're mean, I mean, tracks. how, how deep do you want me to go with this one? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to more talk about just like the spirituality that you felt from this music and the link and like the first time you kind of felt that. And so, Especially when it comes to like, if we're going to like specifically talk about sound system music. Yeah. The first, yeah. the first like time I really heard it and understood it is like understanding. Reggae is not a neutral genre. Reggae is not a, uh, like it's political, man. It was born out of extreme poverty. It was born out of extreme circumstances that like it would be pretty hard for anyone to really kind of comprehend. It was born out of all sorts of stuff. And like the difference between good and bad reggae to me has always been like, can I feel that taste of struggle in there? Mm. How raw of that emotion in my feeling. And you know, at the end of the day, like music is one of those interesting languages that has kind of always been a little bit universal. And without saying a single word, just assembling a few different arrangements of different oscillating pitches, you have communicated things that probably can't even put, even be put into words. And uh, especially with sound system music, being able to be made feel small. Uh, mm hmm that's, that's always that's, that's always real. the first time that you have, you begin to realize like spirituality is understanding there's things bigger than you dude okay yeah that, I, that's something i was gonna say too when we were talking about protecting your ears too it's like it's gotta be loud so you can feel that movement but mm -hmm. obviously you still want well i mean it, it's it's i remember one of the first times i ever felt legitimately scared i was in my own backyard and i was i was tiny Remember, there was a lightning storm going on, and you know, like you were eventually going to go inside. It hadn't started raining yet, but you're hearing thunder, and you know, it's kind of interesting to stand out there, and you hear a really loud boom, yeah. and you can hear it echoing across like the entire county. And for this moment, you realize you are so small, you are so insignificant, and something is very viscerally demonstrating that to you. Mm. You feel like your entire box just got broken. Yeah, like you feel he, like your entire perception just got widened way faster than you would have liked it to, in all honesty. And that's why you're scared. That's why you're like, you, you lose your breath a little bit. You second guess yourself and you begin like in that moment, you begin to think about so many other things that you had never thought about right then because you feel insignificant. You feel less than what you thought about yourself. And really that's like the kind of the spark to uh, spirituality in my opinion. Yeah. I've dabbled a lot of psychedelics, <laughs> uh, probably more than dabbled. Um, 
I guess like how 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 far do we want well, to go here? I'm not going to self incriminate. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's all right because I. <laughs> oh wow! Let's, I just I just I just wanted to think about like your philosophy. I think you already said it. Yeah, is that thing where it makes you feel insignificant and these huge cavernous sounds played over a loud, good system like. When it hits you and you're not expect, you're like, whoa. And you and get, that, you're yeah, not necessarily you small. You're not necessarily scared. I would say. For I mean, like there are certain sounds that you'll hear that are so like raunchy. They're like, what is like? It sounds like a a monster. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I really think that that's the thing. You're right. It, it. And I gotta say, sorry, Jerry, don't mean to interrupt you here. Um, I think it's super cool the concept of, <clears throat> excuse me, any producer or dance music artist that wants to make something like that that touches you a little bit deeper than just, yo, this is filthy, like fuck, I could headbang to this, yo, the bass sounds sick, and actually kind of elicit that kind of emotional reaction that's not immediately dance or euphoric or happy it's more just like fucking yeah a, a sense, I think that's a cool. sense of yeah. awe a little yeah, bit exactly exactly or something fear. that really touches you even if you fucking hate it and you go to you come out of that show and you're like that was fucking that what the fuck was that i came out of a movie like that and i'm like you know what i felt something though right like it touched me in a in a obviously what, like what a, a deep way uh it it was that movie i can't remember what it's called um it's like the two kids and the vhs camera it was an indie and oh. it got circulated around i i saw it at music box uh over the winter is it and, scary yeah but like Wait, it's, is it insidious yes yeah. no 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 um Fuck! I, I'm. I'll, I'll think look it up. You're thinking of sinister. Yeah, sinister. That sinister. Was sinister bangs. I don't. With the eight millimeter film. No, dude. With oh, Bob okay. Gould. So dude. this. <laughs> oh my! That's one of my favorite scary movies. We'll we'll put it in post. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, no, you know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. No, it's like they have like six or eight cameras like really shitty quality and at times you're literally just looking at like a carpet with a tv flickering for like 45 seconds and like no sound it's just the sound of the tv and the kids playing and i walked out of there i'm like what the fuck did i just watch <laughs> and i still feel that way but you know but you it remember had that it. impact yeah, no. and i just like you know what it made me feel something can i really be that upset about it yeah yeah no, that's real. We'll say I'll I'll try and find the movie name. So, so yeah, it no. makes sense. But yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I we don't have to go down like the oh, bro. What's like the hardest you've ever tripped? Oh no, like, I mean, no, I was gonna not. say I went to prison for psychedelics, but oh <laughs> shit. I mean, I don't know. You can go as deep as you want. I wasn't I mean, trying to. I mean, I've I've definitely I've done my fair share of self experimentation. I'm not exactly afraid of like self-incriminations if I've already served uh, whatever society feels that I owe them for that experimentation. Uh, and it's all right. Uh, that being said, like, I mean, it, I could I could talk about the politics of LSD or something like that for like probably another three hours if I wanted <laughs> to. Sure. Uh, but like at the end of the day, um, you know, it was something that like changed a bit of how I think on stuff. Uh, some for the better and some that I actually felt later needed deprogramming. Um, 
And I'll just, I'll be honest, like the reason hippies don't like me, even though like I do hippie based shit or whatever, mm-hmm. I end up never exactly buying into their like kind of store-bought versions of spirituality. Like, dude, I don't give a fuck about your geometry, your triangles, <laughs> anything else. Cause most of this was all based on like weird snake oil. I mm-hmm. uh, like the, the guy who wrote the whole book for uh, uh sacred geometry, which is a, like a boring white dude who like changed his name to like something ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd have to look mm-hmm. it up. And he basically like sold himself as like a fake spiritual prophet and like just made up this weird backstory for himself. That's all cap. It's all bullshit. Like it's fun, like fairy tale shit, but like, yeah, I mean, there definitely is geometry that's crucial yeah. to the fabric of our reality. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, 100%. I'm not, not discounting any of that. There's actual cool stuff to investigate there. Right. There is a lot of just hoodoo that gets thrown right. into there. And you know, a lot of people just no, don't, I they, a lot of people that. don't want to break their cult mentality of that, you know, but I, yeah. uh, there's a lot of various things that I like deprogrammed from that seemed spiritual, but then at the end of the day, like it wasn't, it was just like aesthetics. I felt that way too. I like was going to a bunch of, you know, like wook fests yeah. and just like really into the, the good vibes of it. But then with that, you kind of like, are accepting things and then you're like ah, i don't really know but like we'll just go with it for now and then later you're kind of like you're like yeah maybe i believed in some dumbass shit yeah yeah a hundred percent and that's fine yeah now that. that being said like when i approach sets or whatnot like if you're not having fun with it why are you doing it so in my opinion like having fun with it to me might be like i love fucking with people's concept of expectations mm. If you can play with the concept of expectations, you can fuck with people's worlds. So yeah. if, what my favorite thing to do, honestly, and it's almost bait kids like they're going to get some Hayoka Enya style, like spiritual, like flowery uh, love and light like set mm-hmm. and start them off with it in something actually like pretty hypnotic. And then just take a hard fucking left turn and just start playing like ignorant ass rap songs about like whatever, you know, like total vibe killer and like use that as like a self checker. Uh, Like, am I taking myself too serious right now? Like uh, there's a concept of like, uh, I think some people called it Hayoka energy. Sometimes it's been referred to as like coyote magic, whatever. Mm. It's like the same kind of like uh, mentality that like a jester would take to a king's court mm. of like, you're intentionally poking some holes in some stuff. You're intentionally like laying into some areas that like you might even feel like you can't make fun of the king like that, but you've got that sort of privilege. Right. And like, uh, but that's a tight rope. Yeah, it is go too far. It is. Gonna, we have to kill. The yeah. Hey, we, we, we got it. We got to cut your tongue out in front of everyone, man. <laughs> Sorry. You did. You fucked up. It's, it's funny. You mentioned that. And I, I made this joke earlier, but like, I really watch like the new kind of Skrillex Fred again, Fortet combo. And that reminds me exactly what you were just saying. Like, you just got to have fun with it. Like hearing, Fortet mix smells like teen spirit into country rhythm like in front of like a hundred thousand people at Coachella that just it, like 
it makes no sense, but they were just like laughing and having fun. And it's like, yeah, yeah. as long as you're doing that, like it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. You can also poke fun at them a little bit. They probably had like a three way or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it does seem like they've spent a lot Hot of time take. together. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're all sick. It's just, it's like every day you, you get onto social media. It's there's so much footage, man. They just took so much footage. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. all I can say. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I think that that's cool. You know, like messing with people's expectations and all the way. And I mean, you're like, you can do it on a micro to a macro scale. What I explained was maybe like a macro scale, but like at the end of the day, you know, it's always made interesting music. You couldn't predict where it was going to go. Why did jazz blow so many people's minds? They didn't know where the fuck it was going to go. What the fuck is this noodling last motherfucker about to play? He's been in like, he's been in scales like we haven't been able to comprehend for the last like 10 minutes. You know, there is no script that we're following. We're just, we're at his whims, you know, like why did, uh, why does syncopation like just make you want to move? Because you can't quite predict that like extra little step that comes in on the eanda of something, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's all about expectations that are just going to mess with you a little bit. And that's on the more micro scale, uh, you know, and the, there's like a fractal almost like, like approach to it of knowing like there's more subtler things on this topic you can do. Like you can keep going yes. down the ladder. Yes, you can keep deal. going down the ladder, you know, uh, mm, yeah. and being able to like, again, if you're making especially psychedelic music and you're approaching it with that kind of like mindset of like, we can zip down these themes from the macro to the micro scale. There's going to be that one kid who's just like has all the extra neurons firing for the one time in his life. And he's like, I get it. I get it. And you know what? This one's for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been that kid. So it's all right. Uh, yeah. And you know, like I, I feel like that's like where like the jam band peel comes and whatnot, you know, it's uh, yeah, we might be listening to noodle and Ned and the turd burglars right now, but like, guess what? <laughs> like, <laughs> Nobody knows where this song's about to go, including them. And we're just here for the ride. Our expectations have been broken and uh, we don't know where this is going to go. It's as much of a surprise as for us as it is for them on stage, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know what's interesting about this, though, is that, like, I think people, like, if you ask them, they would be like, no, I, I want to, like, kind of know what's going to happen or, like, well, no, okay, this is what I'm trying to say, is, like, on paper, like, you don't want to be scared. No. Or, like, you don't want to be like, oh, shit, what just happened? I th- unless, I guess unless you're, like, a thrill seeker. But, like... Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that's actually the appeal. Mm, yeah. Is you no longer feel safe. You no yeah, longer, you like... Yeah, happen. you, you don't but know But I'm what's saying, like, happen. on paper, like, I think most... Well, actually, you know what? Now that I'm saying it out loud... I think I'm just like, yeah, I like to have all my ducks in a row, <laughs> like whatever. But then when I think about what you're saying, I'm like, yes, I do actually like this unexpected thing because that's the meaningful stuff. Like what Mace was saying, just you didn't expect that. You like kind of were judging it, but then later you thought about it. You're like, that was kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. So yeah, man, that's real. But I also feel like just to go back to psychedelics, that is the thing that scares you like you take psychedelics and you're like 
oh fuck, I am scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've we've crossed to a line where the, everything is now unpredictable. Yeah, you know, and it's like kind of masochistic, but at the same time, you do it because it's gonna make you grow or reprogram or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you are gonna turn on different neurons in your brain. Uh, you may also feel like a complete fucking idiot. Um, yeah. That might be part of the growth process, you know, and like at the end of the day, I always used to like have this idea that like eating psychedelics will take you to this like higher plane of like understanding or whatnot. And it's like, uh, I've, I've had to challenge that one. Mm. I have, you know, it's, it's a tight rope to walk. I'm not going to assume just because you ate some psychedelics, all of a sudden you came out a better person. You had an experience, but like what happened in that experience is totally up to you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like, a, oh man, so-and-so used to be a shitty dude. He like owed everybody money, whatever. Then he ate some acid and like it changed his life around. Like, no, I mean, that that could happen. He could also eat a sandwich and decide to turn, turn his life around. You know, it's... I don't necessarily think it's like a, a moral catalyst or anything like that. Like some people might tout it to be. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it will definitely break down your barriers of perception yeah. into like being open to thinking about different things. Which might scare the shit out yeah, of you. Yeah, which might scare the <laughs> shit out of you, you know? But that's uh, what I'm saying. It's just like, I, what I'm trying to say is like people don't want to be scared, but it's what's good for them. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to take like psychedelics use this necessarily as like the full on uh, 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 example, but growth is always going to come outside of your comfort zone. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. It, after you pass that event horizon of safety mm -hmm. is where you get to experience growth. But the thing that's also dangerous about it is you could be traumatized. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then you go backwards a little bit. So you're putting yourself in this like this like energy potential place and it really depends like how you come out of that to to grow. Basically or I even think. like even just more or less uh how much you're willing to challenge yourself. And I, I know that sounds like a very like a uh, like prod thing to say. <laughs> like it's so unspecific that almost holds no weight, but it's, it's just right. sort of also like a universal thing of like, how much do I want to challenge my thinking? How much do I want to put to metal, put to test various, uh, like stances I hold on things and how, how am I going to logically keep consistency here? And as you begin to mature as a person and you get better logical processes, that are going to happen. You know, I don't expect anyone who's 21 to come up with like greatest logical processes for stuff. You're still waiting on a brain to mature, buddy. You got five years, you know, uh, it's going to take some time physiologically and just like, you know, the amount of experience you get in life uh, to kind of like shape and mold all those various different things that become those systems of like, you determining if something's bullshit or not, you determining if something's like productive or not, worth your time or not, whatever, how you figure out what you value in life, you know, are all going to come from these various systems that you're going to be developing of your own logic and how much you want to put that to test, how much you want to improve that, how much you want to refine that into something that you find congruent. And uh, none of that's going to come 
exactly from a position of safety. Right. It's going to take that like questioning yourself. Was I wrong about thinking about this the whole time? That's yeah, never that, that's that never is, a fun thing, you know. No, yeah. no one wants to be like I was wrong. No one wants to think like, oh man, these things that I thought were okay, it turns out they're not really. Or uh, these positions that I held on this topic, X Y Z. As I begin to think of them more logically, and that doesn't necessarily have to be in a more balanced way. Uh, just a more logical approach to how I'm weighing everything. That's where the growth happens. And that's where you figure out really who you are as a person and stuff like that. You know, like what, what defines you Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, psychedelics can be a very great door into there. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like it's the only door and I don't feel like it's the best door. I don't know if there is a best door outside of, you know, just how much you want to challenge yourself. It really is kind of the, the, the glass ceiling there. Uh, Psychedelics, again, they can provide that door. They can provide that space. They can provide uh, various tools. Like I said before, for breaking down perception, but that doesn't guarantee you are going to do the work further past there to develop yourself as the person that you want to be. And yeah, you can come out of there traumatized. It happens a lot more often than I think people should realize. Like, well, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, it also just depends how you then think about that, I guess. Yeah. Or like the further of the programming. Like yeah. if you come out of it traumatized and then you do the further work to realize why it was traumatizing. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's just all this big path. Yeah, no. I, I, I uh, <laughs> it's just funny for me to think about like, LSD or drugs or like whatever, like psychedelics just being this thing that just like scare you. And we're all like, yeah, this is cool. (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) I mean, I had a, I had a friend who, uh, he, he went to some like jam band concert with his dad. This is about to be some band story. Yeah, no, basically like long story short, he offered his dad some acid and his dad was like, fine, I'll do some with you. Uh And like an hour in his dad's just like gripping the seat, looking over like you do this for fun. He's like, yeah, pops another two tabs and it's like i mean you know some people just enjoy different shit yeah that's real it's true that is real yeah all right cool man well we did we definitely uh did the psychedelic yeah talk. I, I i feel like we wrapped that one pretty good yeah we wrapped it up yeah no it's just uh i liked what you first said about the the being insignificant thing that's cool all right let's let's wrap this guy up um in the very start of the show, I asked you, or like basically the start of the show, I asked you what your first concert was. So now talking about that whole psychedelic conversation, what was the most impactful concert that you've been to? You could, or, you know, also, I've, I've said, you know, it could it could be a show that you've played too because that's a different side of it. Yeah. But, but I'd also like to hear one that you experienced without control of like, the parameters you know man i'd say honestly like one of the most like eye-opening sets i ever saw uh was i actually got open one time in kansas city when i started this project uh at this place called niche and it was a tiny like it was the the music room was literally about as big as a studio it's tiny and they had a hand-built studio uh sound system in there and uh it was just like a little like haven for like people who were into weird music in in Kansas City. Like 
they brought like plastician through they brought joe nice through oh, and i got to play for gothtrad now like i would i'd always kind of as i got into like the deeper weirder deep medi side of dubstep especially for uk stuff or more international stuff gothtrad is like one of those like you get told to respect him as a goat or whatever because he's he's from japan he's basically one of the first japanese producers like a really really old school japanese or well dubstep producer in general and like I always, I knew I really liked this dude because one of my favorite bands is called Boris and mm. it's like experimental drone stuff. Like I love like bong ripper, weed eater, shit like that. <laughs> like the stoner doom metal. Oh, I can't get enough of it. Um, but he actually had like some tracks with one of my favorite like stoner doom bands. And it was really interesting because his tone, his like style is like, it's really messy. It's really noisy. It's really industrial. And it's very like intentionally like low fidelity. Uh, and, uh, but the way he pulls off grooves and stuff is just kind of unreal. And he starts off like playing. They weren't even acetates. They were like straight up metal discs of like seven inch records of really really old school dub and he I, he totally tran like transcended what a dj set could be to me because mm. like i was just sitting there watching in awe of like he started off with like some spacious like antique reggae for for lack of better terms i mean like these are probably some plates that maybe only can get played <laughs> a couple more times reggae okay. yeah i mean yeah. like some of these some of these pressings i think were probably at least from the 60s or 70s Wow. And it uh, starts off with that and transitions into like this gentle building like wall of sound. And I'm not sure how he was pulling this off with like <clears throat> doing a bunch of feedback or what. Totally. Basically, it was just like this like wall of sound that was just noise feeding into itself. And then slowly, I still don't know how he pulled this off. He uh, I just started layering in drums and stuff and like slowly built these layers over and over and over. And it was like one of those first things that really demonstrated how you can simply make hypnotic stuff. And it blew my mind because like it probably took like 16 minutes of layering onto like this wall of noise till this first drum beat kick came in and it was so... I was so ready for it. I was so hyped and I was so expecting it because I've been teased and denied with it for so long that like when this like kick drum sample started coming in with a little bit of like a, a snare and started to give it like structure, I was just so ready. And uh, like from there when it dropped off and like some actual bass coming in now because he'd just been teased and denied and knew it was coming, but just weren't sure where by the time it came, you were so ready for it that it was, it was so impactful. And like the, the energy that like that first sub note brought in could not have been matched if it came in like any time before. And it was like understanding like, dude, if you give yourself the patience if you give yourself the, the, I don't just want to say openness or something because it makes it sound like I'm trying to sell a cult or whatever. But yeah. like, if you, if you give yourself that like ability to just wait and just let him cook, 
by the time they start delivering that dish, you were going to be so ready for it. And like, it just broke so many different musical concepts that I had because like I had been stuck in this, like, you know, build the drop to build the drop to build the drop like idea of energy yeah i gotta keep this like keep pumping in as many like what the fuck moments as possible and i was experiencing a way 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 more intense what the fuck moment and it was like so much more impactful than like you know just having like a a crazy huge snare build into like some like filthy wah wah and it it just changed my entire perception of like how to direct energy because it was so different than anything else I'd heard until then. And, uh, you know, when he started getting into his, like his heavy VIPs and stuff, the place was going wild. Cause like you actually got taken on a journey and not just like in a, in a, like, paying homage to words way like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. every Dude, dj every dj said everyone's bro. like oh bro it was a journey bro, a journey. that shit was a movie <laughs> a journey from what like lmfao into like animals into like <laughs> like you know fucking whatever like bro that's not a journey that's a that's a top 40 um <laughs> this was a journey like i i legitimately felt like i got traveled places you know and uh not just in aesthetics or anything but like that was a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that was honestly probably like one of the most impactful sets I ever saw. Uh, he knocked it out of the park. He brought in so many different like experimental elements, but like they were natural because there's I've had this like conversation with people before. You know, the difference It's hard to explain between like psychedelic and just low effort bullshit. Yeah, no, I know. What you're yeah. About. And you're like, well, is it trippy or is it just are you just not trying, you know, yeah. is it trippy or are you just trying to like play this off as low effort bullshit? And like, this was definitely not low effort bullshit. This was prime delivering. Uh, yeah, he was thinking about it. Yes. There is so much real intention and stuff behind it that like it changed how I thought about music could be. Yeah. And you know, like I feel like that's, you know, what ultimately anyone's looking for. If they're trying to find like a, what was the most impactful set you ever saw? Like, Nah, it was the one that changed how you approach and how you think about everything. And I'd yeah. have to say Gothrad did that one for me. That was a great answer because that's exactly what I'm looking for when I ask that question. Not just like, bro, dude, I headbanged so hard. Um, yeah, man. That that's given me some some like kundalini energy vibes. Yeah, where it's kind like, of. Kind of. I mean, not to like bring it to the woo, but I'm just saying I've heard people where it's like that you're waiting and you're slowly building, building. And then you, you get to a point where you're just living in this space of like tantalizing, just you're just like living in a higher plane basically well, yeah. because you slowly got yourself to that point mm-hmm. well i mean like and again when we talk about stuff like this like i do not expect anyone who's 18 unless you got weird fucking tastes <laughs> to like this mm-hmm. i don't expect anyone who like doesn't want to approach art and music in the same way to like be about it i understand that i'm a weird dude you don't have to tell me that. I'm already well fucking aware. Um, <laughs> so like, you're a cool dude. I like. So you. with that being said, it's understanding most people who are going to be into this stuff are going to have different tastes. And circling back again to why why I feel like this kind of stuff has lasting ability, lasting culture, lasting 
importance is it's intentionally different and it's designed for people that aren't in that EDM age range, to be honest. Like, the, you know, these are like going to be more old heads, you know, like I don't mean to like make the techno snob, like wearing all black with a fucking black car heart and like sits arms crossed with like a mustache in the corner and just kind of like chin stroking the whole time. Be like, that was a sick Oz effect. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> that can be me. But you know what? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people like exiting mainstream EDM that are just like, look, we've done it. We saw the cool sets, red rocks. We saw the, this, we saw that we've done it all. It's time to retire and be old and be boring. And it's like, no, nah, man, this does not have to happen. You guys have just never been offered another stepping stone to like match where you're at in life, the tastes that you have developed and whatnot, and to take you to like the next level. And that's what sound system culture, especially in the Midwest around here is really why I kind of believe in it, why I think it is somewhat worthwhile to invest in. Cause at the end of the day, like I, I don't do this for money. You know, obviously I do this cause I want to have fun. I just like having some sort of creative output or, you know, area to put the Out, energy. Outlet, I've yeah. yeah. Outlet, you know, that I've, I've gathered over the years and, uh, it's a fun opportunity. It, can provide you know a bit of a spiritual haven for people uh it can provide a bit of a spiritual experience to the newcomers it can provide a bit of a uh a real community that i don't feel kids are getting in like just mainstream edm uh you know no matter how many no matter how many drugs you ate at the campsite and like mm -hmm. had big fam hugs with these people you met from out of state that you're never going to talk to again or whatever all that is fun, you know, especially if you're like 21, 22, like, bro, go live your life. Yeah, no, it's great. But when you're craving something more, just know there's going to be a crew of really cool people who have been holding it down that you might have thought were assholes because they didn't quite like the same thing you were into and might have even had jaded opinions about it while you liked it. Mm -hmm. But guess what? They're going to be waiting for you with a cool sound system, a bag full of plates and like all sorts of cool shit to tell you about, talk to you about, introduce you to. And that's where the future is going to lie is, you know, there's, there's about to be a whole wave of kids coming off of EDM that are like, yeah, we did it, but now what? They don't have yeah. to retire off. They don't have to like stop being involved. You just get to move to the next level. Yeah. You got the hairs, which are like the, the young kids. Yeah. And then you got the turtles who have just been chilling. They're yeah. just slow and steady. You're more of a turtle. I, you know, that, that is true. I'm definitely deep in the turtle club. Yeah. Boy, we're herp, herping, herping, herping around in the turtle club. Dude. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that was a good way to wrap it up. We I just think. brought it yeah. right back yeah, to the just, beginning. Just, dude. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, when you wrap a present, uh -huh. And like you get that perfect tape line no. all the way around. No, I, never, bad ever at, in my life have it. I gotten. Well, that, we just pulled it off. That's that's that was, that's where yeah. I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man! All right, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on SoundCloud, just under Snake Blood. You can find me on Instagram, Snake Blood underscore Base. Uh, you can find me around shows in Chicago, especially at like Notion Swamp River events, usually anything Ronin related. Uh, you could find me in Omaha at Shakedown Street Tavern at the uh, last Saturday of every month, running the sound system, having fun with the homies. If you want to find me, you can find me. Uh, yeah, Snake Blood. He be that's out it. there. Yeah. Next time you come on the podcast, let's just say sometime in the future, we'll like have 
snake blood shots and just we'll try it. We'll try it together. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not like no. promising it, but I mean, if, if you got a good snake vendor, if I got the guy, yeah, yeah. If you got the plug, bro, this shit comes from Cambodia. Like, <laughs> no, I have no idea where it would come from, but where do snakes come from? What do you mean? Uh, we'll ask, we'll ask a herpologist. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. We need like a, we need a, a herp dude. We need a herp guy. Shit, my headphones are going in and out. That's the meaning. That's like the sign. Yeah, it's time to go. Let's yeah. wrap this up. All right, guys. Well, it was good hanging out. Yeah. Protect <laughs> thank your you. ears. Yes. Quake. Protect your ears. It was shout out. Thank you for letting me talk into your ear and letting us all talk into your ears. Your ear holes. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. We're gonna oral cavities. We're going to end this in some way. We're just going to take off our headphones. Bye. <laughs>